0: This episode of the Noble Warrior Podcast is brought to you by C.K. Lynn Mindset Coaching for Entrepreneurs. Whatever mental blocks in your life you want to overcome as an entrepreneur, fears of failure, inability to take the actions you know there is to take, fear of success, three steps forward and four steps back, or even that thought of not feeling deserving after achieving all the success. Coaching is one of the most valuable tools you can have. It's an investment in yourself, and it can yield some of the highest returns. CK Lynn has the skills that it will empower you to achieve the most accelerated results you've dreamed of. To help you get started, CK is offering podcast listeners a free strategy session with him, a $1,000 value. Visit talkwithck.com and schedule your free session today. I'm really excited to
1: share my conversation with my friend Crosby. He is a business owner, entrepreneur, a business advisor. He has started multiple, multiple businesses before. And why I wanted to have a conversation with him, with all of you, noble warriors listening here, is that not only he is a business operator, but he is also deeply um, involved with his personal development. And what inspired me most is about how he carries himself how he maintains his self-mastery, how he brings that into his relationships and into his business. So I'm really excited to have you here, Crosby. Thanks for being here. Thank you, CK, I'm glad to be here. Mm. So I'm curious, you know, you heard Noble Warrior, a few episodes? I have. Right. And what have you said yes to being on the show?
0: Um, no, it's really, getting to know you a bit, CK. I, um, I certainly, for for always, I guess, I've, certainly in my adult life, I have been, um, it's been important to me to pursue self-development and it's been a, uh, you know, like it is for all of us, it's an interesting path, but um, your practice of uh, entering into these conversations and really pursuing the way that uh, people understand the path of are on and are um, are pursuing truth, pursuing their own gifts, uh, uh, understanding their their desires uh, more deeply. Um, those are all things that interest me, and um, and our conversations I've enjoyed. You know, we only know each other a little bit, but I'm. I'm grateful for the conversations we've had and I look forward to this and to more.
1: Mm, thank you. You know, there was a moment. So how we met, we said in ayahuasca ceremonies together, right? And there was a moment during ceremony. You were a helper in the ceremony that we we're at. And uh, I was a little bit more self-indulgent <laughs> on the healing mat. And then, but you were so kind and gentle and then just uh, kindly remind me that, hey, other people want to be on the healing mat, too. <laughs> but you, 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 know, you did it in such a way that's uh, that w- with a lot of compassion versus like a smack down, like, hey, you know, time to go, right? So I thought you did it in such a class that I really wanted to, uh, one, I really appreciate that, and two, I really appreciate how you embody that masculine care. Mm. So were you always this way? before?
0: No. <laughs> okay, great. Certainly not. Okay, great. Te- um,
1: tell us a little bit about how you cultivate that masculine care or you know your journey of embodying that.
0: Well, let me say first, I mean those those ceremonial spaces are they're such they are such spaces for care and they there's such a vulnerability and you know those those that ceremonial practice really strips us down and it's a lot of what it's a lot of the work of that space and that's a lot of where the beauty and the, and the lessons come from but in in that space it's such a beautiful opportunity to to love one another or just to to uh, to express to embody um, care and love for one another and even for for people that you've just met I mean we had just met you know, and um, and uh, yeah, it's one of the things I really like about, about that space. Um, but no, I was I was not there. Um, I I think um, my you know I think a lot, like a lot of a lot of people, certainly a lot of men, in the beginning of my adult life and and you know growing up years, kind of coming into that. As I was. I was um, very focused on like trying to figure out you know, what do I want and how do I perform and um, um, and through some of the early um, early challenges that I had as a as an entrepreneur as a as a manager as a as a business leader and then also in my personal life you know I I had some. Um, uh, some big disappointments in my in my twenties and you know, my twenties and thirties. Um, it really uh, it really jolted me into uh, first into a place of um, kind of a loss of faith, and a loss of vision for who I was and where I was going and what this world and experience is about. And um, it's really been over the last, you know. Fifteen years, especially maybe the last five, six, six years, um, seven years, that um, really come back to a place of um, renewal and of seeing uh, more clearly uh, purpose and um, and the way that um, my own experience and my in my relationships and in my organizations um, that those things can be something other than transactional. Hmm. I, um, there was a point, I and mean, if I look back, um, yeah, six or seven years ago, seven years ago I guess now, I was definitely in a place, I'd been single for a number of years, and I had really good people around me, I had really built my life around my company, my organization, I had great relationships in that organization you know, people that I loved. But at the same time, I would tell people that were close to me that I didn't believe in love. And mm. I i was, yeah, I really, the best way that I could understand who I was and what I was doing was transactional, you know, like. And I had maybe, a—I still think kind of a broad definition of what transactional meant, but still very limiting. And it's, um, over the last six or seven years, I um, maybe the biggest thing is I met my wife. My wife, who I just uh, we were just married last year, and um, she brought me back to life.
1: Mm. She
0: she showed me um, she restored for me a way of seeing myself, uh, seeing my community, seeing a sense of family um, that was that I had really lost. And it was a long road. I mean, she she stood by me for a number of years, where where I still like. Um, I still couldn't see any purpose in, um, in in, uh, in commitments, in much trust. Um, uh, it was about after two or th- about three years into our relationship that through a long through many things, I was finally able to take uh, the smallest step, mm. the barest step towards um, towards commitment and towards mm. trust. And it was terrifying. Mm. I it looked like a looked like a pit, it looked like a black hole to me. It was mm. so scary. Mm. And um but I took it and it was it was actually a, it was a seed was there a moment planted into the ground that that brought new life and what? that brought all kinds of things
1: was there a singular moment
0: there was a singular moment of of deciding that I was going to take that barest step mm. um, and it was I mean it was very circumstantial I um, I don't know that that um, that I can ascribe much importance to the moment itself, except that, except that it felt like trust. and like, okay, I'm going to step into this, and we'll see where it goes. And I had very little faith it would go anywhere, and it just scared the hell out of me. Um, but then it 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 opened up things I never expected, certainly, but also things I never could have imagined, and that led to more steps into trust yeah. and. Um, and that really has flourished into a whole life that I, I really I, I enjoy so much now and has become so rich between her and I and also our community and our family was there
1: something that she did that really allowed you to trust not only yourself but in her as well as that their entity that is a relationship
0: she had trust she 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 embodied this this faith um, and this um, a, a kind of vision for what could be that I again I it w- that wasn't me I, I had lost that I thought I had and in a, some way I thought I had grown beyond that I was wiser than that mm. <laughs> and um, but she surrounded me with that and mm. um, over the course of years finally I started to open up a little
1: so I would imagine the people listening to this and they probably want something like that as well. But what are they looking for? Like what what um behaviors or words or you know that that indicates hey this is someone that I could really spend the rest of my life with. Do You remember some of those words or behaviors that she did or that you did? That's the 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 reason I asked that question is I believe what you're describing is what everyone wants, mm. but how to get there is always the, like the the pickle, right? So so, instead of just jumping over it, I mm. wanted to to pay a little bit more, you know, vivid picture for us.
0: It. It's, it's an interesting question because it's very hard to, when well, you talk about anyone, it's very mm. hard to try to describe um, what a person is in terms of moments or words or behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, But maybe the thing I can say most is that um, you know, relationships are intimate. Mm. Relationships of all kinds are intimate. Mm. And there's this kind of um, oxymoronic quality to relationships. And it's the people that we love the most. It's the people who become closest to us because we love them. Those are the people that we fight with mm-hmm. the most. Those mm-hmm. are the people who see us at our worst, at our most intractable, at our ugliest. Mm-hmm. And so here you are like, oh, like uh, I, I found this person and I love this person and I, I want to spend more time with this person and that's the person that you're going to hurt the most and that you are going to be hurt by the most. It's mm-hmm. very like surprising in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, on, on the one hand, I, I think it sounds quite obvious and uh, that's how relationships work, but... Uh, It certainly wasn't obvious to me when I was um, when I was a younger man when I was growing up Uh, I couldn't I couldn't see that so much and and um, so I, I would say I think what what people are looking for is a partner who is willing to be in that space with them you know really I mean deep quality relationships they take struggle. They, they, the, the relationships where there's no fighting are those are, I think, those are mostly kind of dead relationships. They're avoidance relationships.
1: Very superficial.
0: Yeah, in some way they're superficial. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in, certainly, if you're on a path of personal development and personal growth, you're gonna you're gonna run into conflict, and it's in those conflicts, it's persisting in those conflicts that that um, that we grow and that we learn how to love and that we are rewarded with, with love and with flourishing and with the thing with all the good things that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding a partner who's willing to be there in that mm-hmm. with you, well, that's 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 the thing. I mean, I think it's that's the that's a bigger thing than like are, are you compatible or your interests or like all the other things that we kind of latch on to of who do you want who do you want to be with. Those things yeah, they're important. They're part of what draws us to one another. But I think the real linchpin is are, are you in it? Mm. Are you going to stay in it?
1: Mm. You know? Especially when it becomes difficult.
0: Especially when it becomes difficult. And so much about the difficulty is like just you know, get through the difficulty and recover from it and return to a place of being able to feel and, and know that, know, remember the reasons that you are there with that person. Mm. And, and you go through those cycles and those cycles bring you closer together and they build strength and um, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. Thanks for sharing, I appreciate that. I think people have this illusion that when I meet that perfect someone, <clears throat> then life would be at the high points at all times.
0: <laughs>
1: but really, and for anyone that's been either married or in a committed relationship before, You know that's just not life that's fantasy that's disney movies that but the reality is at least for me step one is the willingness to actually do the work yes then step two is then how do we disagree in a way that's productive right towards that vision that we all have fighting productively so important (laughs) it's true yeah i mean if you fight in a very non-productive way then then it's easy for two people to say, "All right, screw you! I'm gonna go find my prince charming, or you know, you know, princess, or whatever it may be, to come together." That's, I think, these are two key ingredients, at least from my perspective.
0: I think that's right. And I, I think we also, you know, we live in a in a society where we have such abundance all around us. I mean, there's such affluence and such choice, I mean, we, we're a consumer society, there's this endless, endless choice around us and the same is true of relationships and so it's very, I mean, in that way, our... Right,
1: you can easily swipe left or right. Uh, exactly, right. right. you yeah. just go on to the next one, right? That's right.
0: And it's very easy, I think, for us to think that uh, happiness and meaning and the other things that we want um, are located in things that we don't have. And, mm-hmm in the next relationship, in the next job, in more money, in the next success, in all these all these things that we don't have. And I don't think that's right. I think that the things, the places where we can and must find happiness and meaning are not in the things that we don't have. They're in the things that we do have. Mm-hmm. And so that practice of presence and really uh, you know, returning to a place of gratitude. You know, practicing gratitude, which is such a lifelong practice, but something that happens can happen uh, every day in the details. Mm. And that that's that's where it's at. That's where those. Um, that's where that's where our meaning and our happiness can be found.
1: Do you guys have any kind of uh, special practice or rituals? As a, so I'll I'll share mine with you. So one of the practice that. My wife and I do is to do a morning gratitude. What are you grateful for? Mm-hmm. You know, first thing in the morning and then last thing at night so that's one way we do it. so do you have something like that as a way to practice gratitude towards each other or life in general?
0: We don't have a, um, we I don't have a daily ritual like that um, together we we do we carve out. Um, time once a week to really create alignment and to, I mean, alignment in both sort of the practicalities of our week, and but also in um, in areas where we know that there are sensitivities. You know, our, what does that mean? Um, hot topics, you know, in, in, in relationships.
1: Like triggering points?
0: Yeah, trigger points, the, the, the things that we know um, have the potential to um, to take us off the rails and to, you know, disrupt our, the flow of, of how things are good, you know, in, in, our, in our daily life. Um, so we found that to be quite helpful. Um, but I think, you know, most of what we try to practice is less ritualized, but just is a consistent um, uh, theme that we return to is uh, being seen. You know, how do we we make sure, how do we practice seeing one another in the relationship? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, again, on the one hand, it seems, on on the surface, it seems very simple. Being seen, like, this is the person that you know the most, you spend the most amount of time with. But, on the other hand, it's in those simple lessons that that those are the ones that are the deepest. Those are the ones where we can continue to go back and find more good stuff in those lessons.
1: But how do you do that though? Like, How do you make the other person feel seen? I, and I don't want to bring it down to the tactical level, mm. but for the people who are listening, they may want this aspirational, they want it.
0: Mm.
1: They're willing to do it, they're even committed to it. But how do you do it, right? So that's, that's the, I, I believe, is uh, the challenge.
0: So much of it is about communication, mm. like really, developing and fine-tuning um our communication skills i mean i i in many ways i think i'm a quite a good communicator but Mm. wow have i been taught in my relationship (laughs) (laughs) what a shoddy communicator i can be (laughs) um and i think there are a lot of of tactics in that um i I, uh, uh, i i have a good friend who has recommended to me recently and it's been recommended to me a few times but i'm i'm reading this book which is an an old practice. I can't believe I haven't read this, but um, nonviolent communication, mm. which is not what I expected it to be, mm-hmm. but it. Um, I'm so excited about about the insights and mm. the articulation that this book is giving me. It's really for things that I knew that I knew uh, that I know. It's you know giving really good articulation to those things. For things that I have been trying to say but haven't qu- you know quite really got clearly defined, it's really been, uh, uh, provided wonderful language for that, and then whole new concepts. I I really, um, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying reading that. Mm.
1: Thanks for sharing that. I'll make sure to to, to link the book in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, since we met at a plant medicine ceremony, can you share with us a little bit about your practice or how you use the medicine space as a way to deepen your personal mastery, relationships, you know, in in, in your business, potentially.
0: Mm, yeah. Um, well, uh, my wife and I, um, we uh, we started down the plant medicine road together, and um, it's um, it's been a really a rich, generous way for us to connect and to kind of vision for our future and for the, the ways that we approach our daily life. Um, but for me personally, like I'm, I'm such a, such a problem solver and such a designer. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I really, um, really love the experience of design. I, I think of, I think of design as problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think I mean so much of what design is it's very difficult to design something I think with a, on a blank page like design happens around existing features um, no matter whether you're designing a space or you're designing a pricing model or like whatever you're designing like it, it, design solutions happen around other things that look like obstacles or you know or fixed features and I'm also I don't like to compromise. I don't like the idea of compromise in my relationship, in my businesses. I don't like to compromise. I, 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 I like to. to and I kind of believe that the most one of the ways that we can engage our our own creativity and our own imagination is in ways to to look at things that appear to be in conflict or at objectives that. Know, seem to be you know, mutually exclusive in some way and to find solutions that, um, that allow each to live out their, uh, their, their best qualities. And, um, and so the, the plant medicine work has been a wonderful space for me to, to do that kind of visioning. And
1: How do you do that? Like, How do you use that space to help you be a better problem solver or a designer?
0: Um, it's a, you know, plant medicine work is a. It's a container. It's a ceremonial container, container which to really like, kind of, um, soak in that imaginative space. Mm. And to like dig into questions of, like, yeah, okay, I I want this or I see that, but what does that really mean? Mm. Like, like to to kind of peel back the layers of expectation and. And, um, and past visions, you know, like all of the I mean, baggage, but all, all of the structures that we can, of our lives, of our personalities, of the, 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 the perspective that we bring to something, and to take those things apart and mm. try to see more clearly what's really at the heart of this? What's at the root of driving this for me? Mm. And, um, and once those things are taken apart, then it's much easier to see What, what the elegant solution is, or how to make a way, make make my way forward towards that objective with only those pieces that really are meaningful to to that. And Mm. um, I don't know, I don't know if that sounds very tactical, but that's that's my experience Mm -hmm. of of the the plant medicine space.
1: So one of my so because I produce events like that as well. Mm -hmm. So one of the participants who went through it. I really love how he articulate this particular mental model he said imagine all your beliefs from intergenerational to gender to cultural to everything education parental like all your beliefs that you inherited is a brick wall like ones lay on top of each other and then you may be aware of the the most superficial layer Hmm. then plant medicine space allow you to be dissociative and allow you to dig
0: mm.
1: what is the belief that's built under this belief or, or beneath this belief belief etc cetera, etc cetera, and allow you to actually take an objective view and say alright this belief no long maybe served me when I was three years old five years old don't talk to strangers as an example right but this is still served me as an entrepreneur now I need to go out and share the message and the product and services or why I want to do this in the first place. No, it doesn't serve me anymore. So therefore, let me let go of that belief and put up a new belief, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, to me, the medicine space is a beautiful space for me to take inventory of my entire belief system, or to the best as as deeply as I could. Would you agree with that, or?
0: I think that's a good. I think that's a good metaphor for it. Um, what I hear in that mm-hmm. is. Is um, a recognition that who I am, who you are, is not your sense of identity. All mm. of those—I mean, all, all those things. I mean, it's so easy in our in our lives to think about who we are in terms of uh, all these different ideas of identity. And there's actually who we are that is before all of that, underneath all of that. And it's a very—it's a very rich kind of fundamental space. And um, yeah, I think uh, like looking at it objectively is what you said. Um, in, in some way, it's it's kind of dissociative, but it teaches us that the the true self is deeper than all those things. It's deeper than our history. It's deeper than our Generational uh, identity—it's deeper than our gender. It's deep, deeper than these other things. And um, and yeah, that's 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 one of the reasons why I value that space so much. So, how has it helped
1: you to be a better human being, a man, an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a husband, as a brother? Bring back to us. Share share with us a little bit, if you don't mind, um, the transformation that occurred. Like, before I went into plant medicine, that was this way. After I went into plant medicine, Mm. that was that way.
0: So, when I was first approaching plant medicine, I thought of it as pursuing the medicine, like the substance. The peak experience. Not so much the peak experience, although I thought those things would come, but I thought that what I was pursuing was the material, the thing that I was, you know, drinking, the the substance itself. Mm -hmm. And... What I found instead was that the uh, the plant medicine was a component of a larger structure Mm. around ceremony, Mm. and you know I I come from a I come from a religious background. You know I grew up in the church and had you know long, deep experience in that in that community, and um, and I you know as an adult um, I. I, I left that. And then, over the course of years, I, I was really looking for um, an experience of ritual, it's something that, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a, somebody who is uh, prone to biting off more than I can chew, and mm-hmm. like just you know, like really taking, like just piling my, my plate too high, mm. um, and and therefore being in. You know, you know, constantly like multitasking, busy, you know, just like doing things all you know, all the time. I was I was looking for more ritual, mm-hmm. um, and in and originally in my pursuit of plant medicine, I didn't connect the pursuit of plant medicine with my longing for ritual. Mm-hmm. I, they weren't 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 connected, and I and I was so gratified to find those two things together in the same place. What, what are
1: those two things? Ritual and what was the other? Ceremony. Ceremony.
0: Ritual, ceremony, and the plant medicine. Mm. That, that, that I, I, saw, I now see plant medicine as not something that you know you go and you take and it you know, gives you this transformational experience. It's that's not how I would recommend it to anyone. That's not how I think it, it's, it can be practiced in its best way.
1: Yeah, it's not a silver bullet.
0: It's not a silver, silver bullet. And I also, that's an interesting metaphor too, I kind of think of plant medicine like... Like gunpowder, like you take gunpowder and <laughs> uh-huh. you get a pile of gunpowder on the table and you light it up and and it's it's gone, right? right. And but you pack that into a, a canister and all of a sudden it's a firework or it's a bullet. Right? I mean, like like it's a it's a powerful thing, but it mm-hmm. it 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 wants a structure within which mm-hmm. to function. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the the ceremonial space um, brings me to this place of of such presence, of really paying attention to every movement, every sound that I'm making, um, the, the way that I have to pay attention to my, the, my, my physical body and my, I mean, the relationship of my physical body to the other things in the space that I'm in. And that carefulness and that presence, I, I have found that to be so enriching in my professional world. Mm-hmm. Um, I just actually I, I just had a meeting today with um, the leadership team of one, one of my businesses, and and uh, it's a business where I have I have uh, a handful of partners, and they are I mean it's, it's, it's such a beautiful partnership, and the, these men I, I, I love these guys, and and um, and over the course of a long process, a process that we didn't think was going to happen this way. Uh, over Of course, of eighteen months, we um, we opened up the partnership to a new partner, and um, I just announced to the leadership team of this business that we had uh, had made this this man a, a partner in the business, and it's a significant announcement. It's a big um, it's a big thing for this business to have made that decision, but what's so important about about this meeting and today is. Not that decision so much, but the way that it's conducted, and the way that um, even in in sharing that um, that news and sharing that decision um, to do uh, to, to to do that in a way that is inviting to the leadership of this group. To, so to really to, to share the process, the thoughtfulness, the care, the um, and the significance of. Opening up this partnership in that way. And so, and there are so many examples of that. I, we were talking before, you, you were saying that the, the way that I asked you to get off that healing mat was you know, you, you, you felt the care of that. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. But it's such a small thing. I mean, that was a small couple of few seconds in a long ceremony, in a long life. And those few small seconds or how we engage with one another are so important and in my professional life i've always been a leader who has wanted to um uh to coach and to bring along and to create consensus and to and and to create a shared vision and a shared understanding because i i'm i really believe in collaboration i i believe in um in the ways that we can work together there's such there's such beauty in all of the, you know, in all of our differences and all of our, all of the different perspectives and skills and feelings and everything that, that people bring to anything that they're engaged in. Um, but, um, but so the, the the ceremonial space that helps me really tap into the um, the beauty and the possibility in in, a, in an interaction that can happen over just a few seconds. For an entrepreneur who's in you know these tech businesses, like that's fast moving, and we're constantly, like so there's such striving and such effort, and like oh, constantly looking forward and pushing and pushing, to 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 have an integrated experience, to have that be alongside how it is we recognize each other, how it is we see each other. I think it's such a beautiful thing, and 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 I think it's such an important thing uh, as business leaders. My business is such an important part of our society. I mean, it's it's uh, leadership in business is uh, a, a template, and uh, uh, it's it, it it shapes so much of who we are as a people. And so, if we can if we can bring these kinds of practices of awareness and of um, of of commonality um, of, of our own shared you know human humanity, humanness to um, to these you know sometimes very um, you know very challenging, very demanding environments that are oftentimes a natural part of the business environment it's um, I think it's really important. I think that it um, it opens up really uh, really big possibilities for for who we can be in in, uh, in the society.
1: So for other entrepreneurs listening to this, maybe they're, I'm projecting a little bit, but maybe their primary objective is to win in the business, <laughs> right? So for them, this conversation about bringing the nuance, their attentiveness, the intentionality in these micro moments may seem unnecessary. Could you speak a little bit about how why you believe that bringing this level of attention to these micro moments could be actually a amplifier to their business and their business objective
0: Uh, I mean I would say first like let's think about what it means to win you know and um, and even if winning is like a very kind of one-dimensional thing it's like I want this to happen right okay that's that's okay but um, the, the desire for a certain kind of outcome, a desire to win, uh, if you have that desire, then other people have that desire too. And
1: um, other people in your organization? Other
0: people in your organization. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: just double check.
0: Yeah, yeah, other people in your organization will have that desire too. And so to, um, to learn how to communicate in a way that, en- that engages the people around you. Um, your colleagues, the people that report to you, the people that report to them in a in a shared vision for whatever that winning is um, that I mean just as a starting point without questioning the defi- the, the the object itself that that process uh, it it um, it creates uh, it creates a commonality of vision uh, and, and and that turns into uh momentum that can be contributed to by everyone in the organization that um that ultimately will help you get to, to towards that you know faster um and also i think we we can't forget that um, oftentimes the objectives that we set out for ourselves mm-hmm. maybe they're not the most refined, most well thought through objectives. I mean, that's one of the things I think we're all learning is how do we set the best objectives for one another? Um, In one of the most common things that I have said to people who um, are aspiring entrepreneurs is, you know, entrepreneurs, they they have an idea, they they wanna, you know, build a business of this type or that type. And businesses, uh, they try to meet needs. They try to solve problems, right? And, and the world is awash in problems. And one of the most important thing is to pick the right problem, you know? Like, there are a lot of problems to go out and solve that from a business standpoint, eh, not, not worth the time. <laughs> and so, so there's also something about if you, if you can really Define what it means to win, or define what that objective is. Then you you and 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 communicate that in a way that um, invites other people into that project. Then, in 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 a certain sense, you also invite them into um, into a space of of thinking about is that is that really the right definition? And mm, there aren't very many cases when fewer minds are better than one. Right. uh, so, so, there are plenty of places in business where singular focus and like really like blinder determination, like there, there's a place for that. But there's also a place in the gaps between the the, the, the sustained, blinder effort to really check in and make sure like, what are we doing here? How are we doing? What are we doing here? Um, are we doing this in the in the best way? and whatever best means, it's, those things I think they bear thinking about.
1: Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Before I started all of this entrepreneurial effort, I was the head of culture in a company, right? and then we were um, one of the things I distinguish as the head of culture is that people often come be- with a promise of success whatever that may be an you know, exit in X years and you know whatever multiples this revenue number all these things they may come for that but ultimately people stay because of the humanness and also all, often people leave because of their manager they just didn't drive well with each other just didn't like how they were micromanage or whatever it may be so to me <clears throat> injecting this attentiveness, this intentionality in the micro-moments to me is what, is why we're doing all of it. That's my, that's my perspective, right? Not the truth, but my, one man's perspective. And, uh, when you have everyone with that shared vision and communicate in such a way that, you know, you can really understand each other's context and then reach that mutual understanding very quickly that to me is what accelerates, um, you know, business success mm-hmm. that all entrepreneurs want. Uh, as business scale, uh, you can probably speak more on that. But as business scale, the more um, humans you add to an organization, the more unreliable it may be. Therefore the more important having the right culture, the right communication style, the right touch points, the right rituals is becoming more important. When you have a team of two, three people may not be as important quote unquote, right? But when you have a large organization, if you do want to scale an organization, it's so important to pay attention to these intangible things like shared understanding, like communication style, like the micro moments, like, sh- like sharing an important company
0: update with, with care, mm. right? Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I do think that's so true. I think it's, it's, uh, it's funny or it's interesting uh, when, when you think about the way that organizations go out to find talent, to find new people, like the way we, jo- we write job descriptions. It all tends to be skill set and experience based, right? and those things are really important you know organizations need to find you know people that bring a certain skill set and a certain experience but um, but those two axes overlook uh, most of the human part of a person and hiring is the most expensive thing that people that organizations do and hiring the wrong person who's not a good fit I mean, let's face it. Not everyone is the right fit for a particular position, no matter no, no matter how perfect their skill set and experience might be. If if who they are, or where they are in their life, and the things they want out of being in that, in that organization um, are, are not going to get met for one reason or another, then the time and expense that an organization you know uh, expends to train that person and try to integrate them in, in an organization it's a it's a tremendous loss. And so. So yeah, I think and also
1: opportunity cost too.
0: Oh, it's a huge, I mean, huge opportunity cost, mm-hmm. um, and huge, yeah, loss of, of 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 time and and yeah, time, attention from every everyone else who's around that person in, in the organization. So, yeah, um, taking the time to really think about yeah, you know, what what are the cultural values in this organization, and how do we think of of our people, um, not just in terms of how you know uh, how they can contribute to the practicalities of running this organization but how do they contribute to the culture to the ethos of the community of people who are who are engaged in the project of that business yeah. um, mm. uh, definitely a, a, an important additional um, dimension to be paying attention to
1: do you have a framework to help you clarify and then communicate and reach mutual understanding of your organization's purpose, mission, core values, and hiring criteria of all these intangible?
0: I wouldn't say that I have a, I mean, I certainly don't have a structured approach. Um, You know, one of the things that's really great about the time that we're in is there's so many good... um, Personality tests out there, and you know, those are being used more and more by organizations. That that's really helpful. Um, I think the most important thing is for the leadership of an organization to be thoughtful on on on, on these matters and to really to, to to have a way to articulate themselves what these intangibles are, and to then think about okay, now that we've got that defined for ourselves, how do we communicate that in the hiring process how do we test for that in the hiring process what are the some of the characteristics that we would say no to and what are the characteristics that we we would say yes to
1: Mm. yeah I mean that that part if you're not clear yourself as an entrepreneur how can you expect (laughs) (laughs) your middle managers or your hiring managers to understand what it is you're just going to multiply the confusion down the line that's right yeah and then and then you're going to complain later on like hey why did you understand what i'm trying to articulate to you right yeah because you don't understand yourself beautiful that's great um man there's a lot of different ways that i can uh, go into our next conversation but i'm curious to know how do you inject the purposefulness into organizations how do you operationalize?
0: Operationalize purposefulness?
1: Yeah, purposefulness or values. Because you know, it's one thing to have things written on the wall, posted, and then kind of expect everyone to rise up to the occasion, right? Rise to the occasion. It's another to actually operationalize into one's business, as you, as you said, the hiring process. But what's beyond the hiring process? What else is there? Is there anything that you want to speak about that?
0: Um, you know, uh, I'm not sure. I uh, so much of it is just about how did, how j- does a business conduct its interpersonal interactions, right? Mm. And there's lots of ways that that can be operationalized. I mean, in the hiring process is one way, and how meetings are conducted. Mm-hmm. Um, in um, uh, how do you guys do it?
1: How do you guys hold meetings? So one of the things I. I tell everyone, any hiring managers or people who wanted to hire me as a consultant is show me your meetings and I show you your culture. Because in <laughs> that meeting I can basically tell what kind of culture a company has. So, so I'm curious to know from your point of view, how do you hold your meetings? Because meeting is an important ritual that all companies have, right? How do you actually hold that?
0: Um, I think that I think that, so, organizations are also this interesting balance between um, recognizing one another as human beings, and in in that sense we're peers, we're all peers, right? But organizations function based on hierarchy, Mm -hmm. and hierarchy is really important, I think. I think think hierarchy and and a quality of leadership is, is, is really important. So in meetings, on the one hand, I think it's important that the... The leader of a meeting, the leadership that's present in a meeting, um, you know, creates clarity around what's supposed to happen in this meeting. Like, what are our objectives? How, how, how does everybody here understand why we're here and what we're trying to get out of this time together? Right? And so, in that sense, there's something that is you know, something that that leadership um, uh, sort of defines. Um, and then, and then, the, the other. The other thing that I think has got to happen in, in meetings is listening. And listening is not the easiest thing to do. Uh, it's so easy to show up with a predefined understanding of what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And to have that block true listening. And so, um, and so, I mean, the, and I, I think the reason to have people in a, in a meeting is is to... Is to create alignment, to create a common understanding, and that common understanding—it's hard to—it's to, hard to cultivate that if you just have one person who's like handing down instructions or uh, teaching or whatever. Right? There, you, you, it's much easier to achieve that when there's dialogue and when there is a back and forth and when you are asking people, and people are uh, feel free and comfortable to. To articulate back, you know, here's what I'm hearing, or here's how I see this. Um, uh, I think we, as as human beings, we you know we have a desire to be understood. We have a desire to be to contribute, and we have a desire to be recognized for that contribution. And so, so on the one hand, I think a meeting requires structure. On the other hand, within that structure, there I, I'm looking for space for. The participants in the meeting to actually participate and to contribute and to be heard and to have the uh, other participants in that meeting um, respond in a way that acknowledges what has been presented by one of the members.
1: Mm. Do you have a particular practice to do that? As in here's an intention and you call on people to recreate what you just said and things like that? I'm an engineer so I'm very framework uh, oriented yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: I mean I think it's it's very simple it's yeah, I, a lot of it is I will ask people to to rearticulate like tell me what you heard mm. right tell me how you understand it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like tell me what you think the the problems or the challenges are in what's mm-hmm. just been laid out mm-hmm. um uh um, I I really value people who in a in a in a business context I value people who who can bring a kind of analysis that says well in my experience or in terms of in terms of what I see here's here's how that's going to work well and here's how that's not going to work so well right or here are the here are the, the 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 challenging areas that we need to you know pay pay attention to um, so I'm I'm looking for engagement and contribution at, at that level and I'll, I mean, I can I just ask for it directly, ask for contribution at that level.
1: How do you create that safe space where, because you're you know, the founder or you know, the top guy, of course you have all the psychological safety, so yeah, please tell me <laughs> whatever you think, but in reality maybe, maybe they're in a hierarch- hierarchical point of view, they may not feel so safe to really tell you the truth. Per se, right? Because they still want, you know, there's that underlying desire. Still, hey, I like my job. <laughs> 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 I want to make sure that whatever I say doesn't offend Crosby. You know, how do you cultivate that safe space so then they can, as much as possible, share how they real how they really feel um, feel about this particular issue or problem.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I think that's uh, that's a key word: safe, right? Um, there there needs to be a sense of safety and it and 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 the larger an organization gets the more level, levels of a hierarchy there tend to be and the more distance there is between the leadership or the leader and the staff level person and with that distance comes intimidation and apprehension and fear and like well, let me not screw up and let me not say the wrong wrong thing and and that that can really lead to a, like uh, I'm, I'm just going to you know, like sit here. I'm not going to do anything. All right? You know, because any move could, you know might be might be judged. It might be analyzed. And so um, so in the communication process, um, and this is I mean this isn't this can happen in a meeting and it needs to happen in a meeting. But it's something that accumulates as part of the cultural practice of the company or of an organization. Um, is for um, for the leader or for leadership to invite. And in, in some cases, that can actually turn into a kind of demand, like actually I, I'm, I'm asking you to show up in this way, I'm asking you to speak, I'm mm-hmm. asking you to share, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then upon that sharing, upon that speaking, like to uh, be gentle, right? And to find the places to reassure and to compliment and to recognize what is um, uh, what's right or what's good or what's insightful about what has been shared while still, and then to find a way to fit it into the framework that the leader has already established, mm-hmm. right? or the solution that has already been defined, mm-hmm. right? Because then somebody, because somebody can, somebody can show up and say something, and it could be you know, completely off base. Mm-hmm. But good leadership can take that and find a way to mm-hmm. recognize that for the contribution that it is, or has attempted to be, right? right? For the goodwill that's in it, if nothing else, right? right? And then fit it into the structure that is what is going to come out of that meeting or or, or the structure that is the direction of the momentum of that organization. Mm. And that right there is a kind of coaching. Right? Mm. It's not like direct teaching, oh no, that's not the way to understand it, it's to understand it this way, right? Mm-hmm. It's instead, you know, taking the gift of that person's time, articulation, imagination, whatever, you know, all the things that led to here, I'm presenting this thing, and to yeah, to incorporate that, to integrate that into mm. the larger picture that, that the leader has defined or, or is, so oftentimes, as the leader is, um, is crafting right there in the meeting. It's a, you know, it's a, um, it's, a uh, it's always a work in progress or mm. the best organizations are always a work in progress.
1: Mm. It actually reminds me of a story by uh, Marisa Mayer former CEO of Yahoo, former product manager of Google. She is super smart obviously and she actually has thought about all the different permutations of different solutions and chances are she's right. So when she was first started as a product manager leading her team, she would always just say, bam here's what we're gonna do. You guys go do it. And she was the coaching that she received is uh, be the last to speak, allow everyone to share their point of view, analyzing the problem this way, and that way, but just you know, like hold her tongue the entire time, and then be the last to speak, right? And and I think over the years, I mean, what you share is, is effectively that uh, be the last to speak, but also acknowledge people's contribution to what they share, so that they feel that hey, they're actually contributing to this overall vision and problem solving rather than just hey go do this thing that I tell you to do because what happens if you do that consistently then people are just going to be quiet and just wait until you give them an order and then do the thing that being told what to do then ultimately then what's the point of hiring really smart motivated people into the organization.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, then you both haven't tapped into their talents and intelligence and, perhaps more importantly, you haven't engaged them in a way that that creates investment and, and, and creates consensus. Like Just handing down the right answer, I mean, that's really good, whoever the coach was that was giving her that advice is really good advice because by speaking last, not only has there been time for others to air their perspective, but what she... Uh, hopefully, did could do is in presenting the right answer when what, what we're presenting her answer. She can say she can say like this person as this person said as that person said. Like she can start recognize the the, the 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 other insights that were that are in the room and how those are manifest in what she is presenting. And that, as you said, that makes people feel like they have contributed, and it and that that creates um, engagement and and. Uh, that, that, that develops that um, that kind of consensus that, that mm-hmm. I'm always looking for.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. So, new topic. <clears throat> you are a serial entrepreneur. You've been starting businesses since how?
0: Oh, my first business, I guess, was when I was 21. Beautiful. So,
1: one of the things that I came across, um, serial entrepreneurs especially, is when you're striving for something there's always hope right and at some point after maybe the first exit or the second exit the question the existential question will come to mind is there all there is do you know after i have all these accolades being on the cover of magazines have all this money and all these employees then is there all, you, know, you can go out and do it again it's a repeat, but you know, so, have you ever experienced that existential question to yourself
0: as you create all these businesses? <laughs> well, so first, let me, um, let me correct you a little bit. Sure. So, um, serial entrepreneur is, is true in a sense. Okay. Um, and my first business, yeah, I was 21 years old, but, uh, and I started that business with, um, with two with with a friend that I knew from college and his best friend from childhood but in some sense um, my my partner Terry my friend Terry he he was the true entrepreneur I mean it wasn't my vision and at that age I didn't even have any particular ambition around um, starting businesses I wasn't in tech I, I had a science degree but I hadn't really touched the computer that much um, and for the first few years, I was not that invested in being an entrepreneur. That wasn't really what I was about. Um, it was only later when the business really started to grow and um, I, I learned just in practice that I had a, I had a skill and, a, and an enjoyment in, uh, in training people and in management and in organizational development. That I, um, that I started to really live into the idea of entrepreneur. Um, and uh, so that's the first correction. The second correction is that um, I've been in a lot of different businesses but I've only started a handful. Um, between that first business which was part of the dot com boom and bust um, and, the, um, uh, and maybe about ten years ago when I started my second business. Um, Thirteen years ago now, uh, I was a turnaround CEO, so I wasn't starting businesses. I was parachuting into troubled tech businesses on behalf of secured investors in order to fix problems, um, and it was uh, gratifying in a lot of ways. Like you, 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 you get put into a situation where there are a lot of problems, and you're going to solve some of them, <laughs> and it's always a lot more fun to solve other people's problems than to solve your own. that um, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Because you're a little bit more dis- dissociated from the um, problems rather than...
0: Yeah. I think that, uh, I think one of the challenges for, um, for entrepreneurs is, you know, anything that you do when you, I mean, anything that you do making anything, whether it's a business or anything, like by doing it, you're invested in it. And that investment can be a beautiful thing and it leads to a real commitment, but also you, there can be a loss of perspective and um, uh, it's oftentimes a lot easier for fresh eyes uh, on a problem to see a solution that's right there that the person who has been wrestling with it for months or quarters or years just cannot see. They're too invested. But so, um, I, I did the turnaround um, CEO work for about five years, and, and those, those, uh, those were um, rewarding engagements, but they were short ones. You know, They were each about a year long. I would go in, I'd strip an organization down, really try to f- find its fundamental components, um, rebuild products and services out of that, rebuild the staff, and then I'd hire a management team, and then I'd move on to the next I thing. see. Um, and um, so after about five years of doing that I really, I wanted to get back to um, long term organization building because Mm -hmm. I, um, that's what I enjoyed and um, and I also, I also didn't, I didn't want to, I, I could really see in that position as a turnaround CEO just how much overhead there was in supporting a financial partner,
1: right? What does that mean, actually? Unpack that a little
0: bit? Yeah, so um, I'd go into these companies, a couple of them were you know, small public companies, you know, and the, being public is a whole other kind of overhead, right? But when you have a business that's financially troubled, which is why I was there in the first place, um, then the, there's a lot of anxiety Around that business. So, you know, is it going to work? Is it worth it to continue to put money into this thing? Like, you know, where's it going? There's a lot of anxiety around the, the financial performance of that business. By a financial partner, what I mean by that is some, you know, uh, people, an organization that's not in the day to day operations, they're just um, evaluating the company f- from the outside, right? And so, or- organizations in that place. Whether you know um, any organization that's taken venture capital or um, most kinds of debt, many kinds of debt, um, maybe not most, but many kinds of debt, certainly in this tech entrepreneurial world, um, f- third party financing means that you're supporting a financial partner who wants reporting, who wants to understand what's going on, uh, who wants to know if I mean. you are yeah. on track with your plan, who wants to know how it's going, right? right. And there's a lot of overhead that goes into communicating. What's going on? Right. And providing the assurance, or telling them what's going on, and you know, uh, trying to explain how you're tackling those problems. Right. right. So when I started my second business, um, and actually that whole process was really interesting because I, I, uh, at that point I thought, like, okay, what am I looking for? What do I want here? Mm. And I actually wrote down. I wrote down a list of really unreasonable. Unrealistic um, characteristics, you know, mm. things like well, I, I wanted—I wanted to be in a data business because I—I I could see that in the data business you can sell the data and then tomorrow you can turn around and sell it again. <laughs> um, and I wanted to be in a business that didn't require a financial partner, like you know, so it needed to cash flow pretty quickly and mm. it needed to not um, not require a you know a, a big um, slug of, of, of seed capital. Um, and there are some other things, and I, I, I looked at this list, and I just thought, uh, okay, that's a great, interesting list of what you want out of a business, but that, that can't happen. And then it did, and it was a, it was a very interesting, um, uh, it was an impactful experience of manifestation of just like by defining what you want, by taking the time to really um, carefully. Uh, Define and uh, be able to articulate the characteristics of what I'm after. I can uh, that puts me in a much better place to actually see that happen. Right. Um, so. Um, so. I I had become a bit disillusioned with running and fixing other people's organizations. Mm. So, I went back to building my own organization, mm. and that organization was in the ad tech space. Right? Well,
1: be- before you go to the ad tech space, you said disillusion, do you mind diving a little deeper on that? Just kind of describe the disillusionment? And well, like a, did you ever experience the existential crisis I talked about, or even just a stress level, that, that empty void that one feels?
0: That's what led me to wanting to get back into long-term business building. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in some sense, that, um, that long-term business building, building my own company, again, addressed that. Mm-hmm. But then I just uncovered the next layer of disillusionment and dissatisfaction. Okay. <laughs> so um, uh, I was glad to be back building my own organization and without a financial partner because it's such a luxury to be, to be able to devote all of your time and attention just to business building, right? Um, and uh, you know, that business, you know, we started out, you know, a couple of people. And over the course of um, a few years, a couple of years, we were, you know, 15 people and that business eventually grew to be about 70, a little over 70 people, um, not as big as my larger business had been. but i didn 't want to run an organization that large anymore. you know it was a good size, and that business um, like I loved the culture of that business. I loved the um, the community um, that was there and the the ethos of staff development that we had in, mm-hmm. in that business mm-hmm. and um, yeah it was a beautiful beautiful community but um, but two things happened one was i realized that the thing that i loved in that business was that community and was the building you know, engaging with the staff and and um all the things that came along with that and i didn't care at all for the business model like it, i mean we were in advertising and like i, I don't care about advertising <laughs> i mean it was it was, a, it was a business model and it was one that, you know, uh, was fruitful, it, it paid the bills, it, it enabled all kinds of things and there's lots of good things in that. But um, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, so now I'm here to, um, I'm just here for the organization, for the organizational development. And, um, but then that business fell apart and I ended up having to take that organization apart, and that was very Mm. disillusioning. Mm. Um, Painful. It's very painful, Mm. Um, and it really made me question, it really made me uh, question what I was doing um, in business, Mm. what I was doing as an entrepreneur, because I also could see that, I mean, like everything, everything, businesses have a life cycle. There's a beginning, Mm -hmm. there's a middle, and there's an end. Mm -hmm. And there are a very small number of businesses that have continued for you know, decades and even a century, but it's a very small number. Right. I mean, you know, most businesses, they have a beginning, and a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. And, and starting to recognize that made me really have to have to think about, well, okay, then uh, my vision then of what organizational development is all about has got to shift somehow because so much of how my orientation even in all the good things of developing those organizations was about growth and expansion and mm. and actually all those things come to an end at some point and even if we hadn't had the end even if that business hadn't had the end that it had if let's say we had gotten sold at some point well then you're still taking apart that organization at, at some level right mm-hmm. and so i really had to think about um what what, what am I doing here? And what do I really want out of this, out of these businesses, and out of my own life? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so, uh, it was at that point, um, this is now, actually, it was when that business was coming apart that I met my wife. And um, it was at that point that a, a lot of things were were changing for me, and I was, Kind of asking these existential questions about what, what am I doing here, and mm. like, how, how do I pick some goals for myself that are going to last more than a few years? Mm. Right, mm. and um, and so initially, I, you know, I stepped out of business. You know, I uh, that that company had. Um, I'd made a few acquisitions along the way. I. Um, I stepped into more of an advisory role rather than an operational role. I actually, you know, as somebody who, as I said before, puts too much on his plate, I really spent a lot of time just trying to take things off my plate and to try to create space in my life to, for I didn't know what, but just to do that, just to do something that was different, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's that um, it's that journey that has led me to a place now where of two things. One is kind of like what we were talking about before, of really paying attention to people and paying attention to the meaningfulness or the ways that small and big interactions can be meaningful in daily life and in business. The the importance of those things and really trying to to honor that and to highlight that as a way of cultivating awareness and you know, or organizational culture, and in, 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 in the companies that I'm in, in involved in. But it also um, it led me, uh, it has led me towards uh, organizations that are um, more uh, explicitly about values. And so, at that time, um, with a, a kind of a, uh, some misgivings, some a little bit uh, of um, jadedness. I stepped into a couple of nonprofits. Um, I had some judgments about nonprofits. Um, Judgments from afar, though I hadn't ever been on the inside of a nonprofit. So I I decided to explore that. I stepped inside of a couple of nonprofits, and um, I was involved in both of them for a few years. I'm still involved in one, and um, but that. That whole journey, um, which is still ongoing, has really led me to um, be much more focused on and really see a lot of value in um, in thinking about values, values within businesses, Mm. but just values within our culture, within our society at large. So much of our society is focused on problem solving and policy and Growth and not on values, and I think that I I think that that, that's a big missing component of Mm -hmm. who we are. We're not, we are as a as a people. We are as a society. We're not talking to each other about our values, Mm -hmm. and in order to in order for us to make our way out of some of the really big. apparently intractable problems that we mm-hmm. see in our world, in our political system, in our economic system, um, in our social structures. I, I really think we need to begin talking to one another about values. Um, stop fighting about policy. Stop fighting about who has the best solution. Uh, start finding common ground around very simple, fundamental values. and. Um, that is what has uh, allowed me to make my way out of that place of disillusionment mm-hmm. and into a place where I really I, I'm, I'm so so grateful for that path because it 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 it, uh, it, it gives me this experience of um, something that I think is very deep is very universal very common to all of us. Um, all of us as a people, I mean all of us on the planet as human beings, as a people. Like, to, to be able to really think about the things that we have in common as human beings. And, um, and, and, and I really believe that, it's, it's, that that is the way of, um, of developing uh, new structures, um, a new way of seeing things and communicating with, with one another and working with one another so that we're not just fighting about our differences. Okay. We're, actually, um, we're actually coming together in our, in our commonalities. Mm-hmm. And you know, at this point in human history, with all of our science and our technology and all of the power that we have, there isn't very much that we couldn't do if we actually put our, our minds and our effort to it as a people, like as a global people, there's right. not very much we couldn't do. We just can't agree on what to do. Correct. And so I really, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm now like fully engaged, and I, I'm, I'm really excited about the next uh, chapters in my life um, mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of, of working on those things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So do you plan on getting? Because I looked at your LinkedIn profile, you're involved like five different boards, right? Something like that. So it was like uh-huh. really, really high number. <laughs> you were a business advisor and then you're on the boards for like five different nonprofits and plus a gallery, right?
0: Well, the gallery was a long time ago. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, is that the plan is to bring that business rigor into these type of nonprofits? Or at some point there's a bigger vision to you know, help these organizations, companies to bring more value, be more value oriented.
0: So, yeah, one of the things that's happened um, is that my uh, what what initially was just like a holding company that mm-hmm. hold, that held my business assets, um, and I you know kind of supervised them as an advisor from the outside. That has that's become more well formed over the last let me call a year, mm-hmm. um, and I have started to build out that team. I have really a, a great a great team. Um, uh, that actually so for the last four or five years I have a a team here in Los Angeles that does what I call back office services for Mm. all of my businesses Um, and back office services are these um, these disciplines that are uh, a requirement for any business Mm. but are kind of independent of business model so this is finance and reporting and legal and HR all, all that sort of stuff yeah um, and so initially it was just I mean, just practical. I, I wanted a back office team because I didn't. Wa- I wanted a, a common set of reports to look at. Right. That's right. Um, but um, but that team has become uh, more well defined and more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have started to um, to really think about what we do in the as kind of a venture services model. Mm. Um, and we've uh, we actually just started um, to begin to provide those services to businesses that are not my businesses, right? Mm -hmm. To to, to provide them as services. Sure. And so that's one piece of what what happens next. Gotcha. Um, uh, I, because of my business background, anything that I do, you know, uh, inevitably I'm gonna bring my my business hat to it. Sure. It's just that- It's a superpower. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, i mean it's what I've spent my career doing right, yeah. but I also recognize that that's not the place by itself where I'm going to find meaning and um, and uh, the kind of um, reward that I'm looking for mm. um, so so i have a team that can provide services that are kind of those services are more on an operational level my um my advisory work, which I'll continue, is work that I can do very flexibly, and I can do the, the advisory work on a, you know, both multiple, you know, multiple um, organizations, kind of in parallel. That works just fine. Um, but um, where I intend, where I hope to see more and more of my time and attention really located, is in, um, is in focusing on uh, supporting and building. Uh, values-based organizations and, and and a lot of that is around um, uh, uh, curating and spotlighting um, holding up people that are engaged in practices that are in alignment with with that kind of work um, that might be a more um, elegant way to say why I'm you know talking with you here is that I I'm very interested in uh, I mean, there's so many people out there in the world. that are doing good work, um, and there are, um, and there are organiza- organizations out there who are uh, designed at, at lifting those people up and, and and creating more exposure for them. But I think there's a lot of room for more of that. And um, like I said before, I, I really believe in collaboration. I believe in the, a community approach to the things that matter for matter to us most, and um, things that matter to us most. I think you know. Uh, it's not so much the newest technology or widget or the you know it's more about um, who are we as a people mm-hmm. and where are we going in this society and let's 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 talk about that um, and let's lift up I mean we we live in a world that is so wondrous mm-hmm. let's let's celebrate that you know there's there's such a tendency to focus on problems mm. let's focus on how like what a wondrous place we mm. are in this mm-hmm. planet and mm-hmm. what a wondrous people we are even with all of our challenges we are there's such beauty and possibility in our you know incredible diversity as a people like that th- those are things that um that a lot of people are doing good work in all kinds of, of uh, corners of science and industry and so forth. Um, that kind of work can be uh, lifted up.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Do you mind if we ask you some uh, rapid fire questions? Sure. Cool. So, if you, you had recommended nonviolent communication. Yes, nonviolent communication is one of the books. Any other books that you will recommend to other entrepreneurs who are listening to this, who are eager to let go of their lower self, and then in service of their highest self, in service of the highest value? Um, any books that you recommend that comes to mind? The first three, first two
0: that comes to mind. Uh, you know, I'm not a. I don't. Or a podcast. Tend, or <laughs> podcast. Yeah. I don't tend to love um, business books. Okay. Um, uh, although I was talking to somebody recently, recently about this, I I think business I said the whole self help you know category, which business books are definitely in that category, um, is definitely becoming better um, than it was ten years ago or twenty years ago. Um, I mean, I rapid fire questions. I, I, I liked Creativity Inc. I, I thought that was a really good mm-hmm. story of that of that of, uh, of Ed Camel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to actually go through my okay. uh, Audible list in order to recall. I'm not great at that kind sort of thing, but, uh, but yeah,
1: cool. Um, what are your daily habits? Your morning rituals, evening rituals, anything like that, as a way to best cultivate your sovereignty, your self-mastery, so that you're operating from your best self?
0: I mean, movement is a big part of it. You what know? kind of movement? Anything um, specific? I mean, I'm a runner. runner. Yeah, I'm a runner, and I love yoga. Uh, I'm actually just getting back into yoga after a too long hiatus, but... Any uh,
1: specific kind of yoga?
0: um, (laughs) Any specific kind of yoga? Well, um, I've been learning more about kundalini yoga recently, but um, really the yoga that I practice and love the most is just, you know, uh, the hatha, flow, sal yoga. And I don't really think... I don't think of yoga as being about a type. I think of it be, as it being about a teacher, mm. um, and a teacher who can create a space that allows me to cl- close my eyes and focus on a voice and creates a uh, a flow of practice that really supports um, you know just timing breath with movement, which is so much about what, how I think about yoga. That that's that's what I look for. Yeah.
1: If you have a billboard that you can showcase in front of millions of people, well, what what's one word or one phrase you would were- on the billboard a billboard for? yeah this is a Tim Ferriss question by the way oh is that right yeah yeah
0: yes, yes. I don't listen to podcasts either yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, uh, you know I, I, I uh, presence or being or uh, something to like uh, w- again our in our society we are so much about looking for the next thing like striving for the next thing anything that um, Uh, Practices in in my life that I try to cultivate are really to remember to take time out even just for a moment or two To practice some awareness and some presence
1: Mm. Uh. Beautiful Crosby, thank you so much for being here. I want to acknowledge you for a few things. We had talked about plant medicine we had talked about Relationship we had talked about your journey in growing a business or being turnaround CEO we had talked about how now you have this newfound purpose Injecting and bringing more value into organizations, into businesses. That's a beautiful thing. I look forward to um, Well, I'm a fan. I'm also looking forward to how I can help. So, for any of the listeners who are listening to your story and they're inspired by it, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they offer their support in what you're up to? Any specific place you want to send them to?
0: Oh, I mean, LinkedIn is probably the LinkedIn. yeah the only, the only kind of commonplace right now. Okay. Um, uh, and let me say two things. Yeah. So first, uh, now that I've had a couple of seconds to think, you know what I would, I would put on a billboard? I would put something actually that's very different from what I said before. I would okay. put something directive, something like make something. Make something. Because tapping into our own authorship, our own creativity, and just to make anything in the world, write something down. Uh, glue something together, anything like that. I, I really think that creativity is so much about who we are as a human being. Tapping into that, more of that in our world. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, thank you for this conversation. Uh, I, I really appreciate uh, the thoughtful questions. I appreciate um, uh, just being in this space with you and uh, being able to think about some of these things in a way that I don't normally. Okay,
1: thank you, much. <laughs> You're very welcome, my friend. All right, guys, go out and make something. Thank you, Crosby.